Welcome back to Man Catholic Podcast. I'm Steve Priest. I'm Thomas Wirtz. And I'm Brock Martin. I'm Dr. Michael Morris. Today we're talking about how to get the hell out of your house. Dang. This time. Dr. Michael Morris, great to have you. Thanks for joining us today. Tell us a little bit about who you are and a little bit of your background. Uh, well, thank you for the invitation. Uh, my name is Michael Morris, and I uh, teach theology at the University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota. I did my master's degree at the Augustine Institute back when we were in the chancery buildings, and I lived with Thomas Wirtz. So the infancy I, stages, right wow. there. Yeah, I, I uh, remember Thomas from my early AI days. So I studied scripture at the Augustine Institute, went to Trinity College Dublin to do my doctorate. And there I studied uh, demonology and anti-demonic tradition in early Judaism, especially the Dead Sea Scrolls and their influence on the Gospels. Wow. Uh, and then I returned to Denver and taught a couple of years for the Catholic Biblical School uh, before I ended up here at Mary. Did you have a lot of nightmares during your doctorate program? Yes, but it was mostly about failing my defense. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, interesting stuff. how living with Thomas yeah, drove we'll you to you study nightmares. demonology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it really prepared me well. Michael, thanks for having yeah. us. This is such an interesting topic, I think, for a lot of men out there. And we're talking about the spiritual fatherhood today and how to get the hell out of your house, as in getting the evil out of your home as a mm -hmm. spiritual father. And this could this could be certainly for your family, but even I'm thinking a group of dudes as roommates in college, right? Yeah. Like how to yeah. protect their house and look at what could be impacting the spiritual environment of their home. So I just want to kind of throw out a question to you, Michael, and then we can see where that takes us, is how, as spiritual fathers, can we engage in protecting our homes and getting the hell out of our house? Uh, good. The I think one of the key things to keep in mind with spiritual warfare in the family, first of all, uh, spiritual warfare will happen. It's something that we're going to encounter uh, in our Christian life. Mm -hmm. um, Jesus knew this, and this is this idea is very much rooted in the New Testament. The idea that the Christian faithful will be engaged in demonic opposition. So uh, there are various levels of and stages of demonic affliction that can take place, uh, but at a certain level, um, every family is going to experience this to varying degrees. And the idea of authority is is very important here. So uh, Father Ripiger, um, somebody already mentioned him, mm -hmm. uh, he wrote a great book called uh, Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Laity. Mm -hmm. And in it, uh, in the preface, he talks about this concept of authority. Uh, and he says that authority is really the basic and critical component of the divine economy. And he states, and I'm going to quote from him, it is when we remain under the authority structure that God has established by the divine positive law, i.e. the authority of the church, and natural law, that we remain protected. For this reason, if the laity always remain within the confines of the authority that God has given to them by natural law, such as commanding the demons to leave their own bodies, or those over whom they have authority by the natural law, such as their children or their wife, then they will experience little to no retaliation as a general rule. Mm -hmm. So what Ripperger is sort of setting up is that, that authority is important uh, for doing spiritual warfare well. And one of the reasons is 
Um, you know, this is the structure that God set up, and we might not put a lot of emphasis on authority or the roles of spouses and whatnot, but uh, in, in today's society, uh, but the demons sure pay attention to <laughs> yeah. authority. And Michael, structure. I want to I want to pause just real quick. So yeah. there there are two foundational aspects that you just laid out. One. There is a spiritual battle going on yes. in our homes, whether we are aware of it or not, right? Whether we acknowledge mm-hmm. it or not, that is, that's a fact. The Correct. second fact is as fathers and as men, we have a certain authority over that spiritual battle that's going on. Would you say both of those are true? I would say both of those are true. Yeah. So I just um, want that to be foundational for absolutely. everyone listening yeah. right now that that is, that are the... Those are the grounds that we're working on, mm-hmm. that a yeah. spiritual right. battle is is going on around us, whether we acknowledge it or not, and we have authority. Correct. Yep. I think that's very well put. And to that first point, that spiritual warfare is a reality uh, for each family, uh, the degree of sort of demonic uh, affliction is going to vary, right? So sometimes it might just be simple demonic temptation. Other times it can be something a lot more aggressive. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to vary on a case-by-case basis. And there's certain things we can do uh, to make sure that it doesn't get more serious. But relating to sort of types of authority now, every Christian, and you, you mentioned something even like roommates living together, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe not a family, but every Christian, every baptized person has what's called baptismal authority. And, and by the way, some of the, this stuff is going to be laid out in a book by someone named Kathleen Beckman, who wrote a book called uh, Family Guide to Spiritual Warfare. And it's put out by Sophia Press, and it's very and, good. And we'll get these books, maybe the links in to the them in our, okay. in our notes. Yeah. But, she, but she talks about, uh, so there's baptismal authority. The sacrament of baptism, very important in it. We are commissioned as priest, prophet, and king. And baptism gives us the authority uh, and really the duty to pray deliverance prayers for ourselves, right? So in baptism, every person has sort of this anti-demonic authority for themselves. We can pray deliverance prayers and command demons to leave ourselves, you know, uh, our own Mm -hmm. self. But then there's also spousal authority. Spousal, this is authority given to the spiritual head of the family, uh, which is the father, but the uh, the wife also has a type of spousal authority. So uh, this is from, this is from Beckman. Since husband and wife minister the sacrament of matrimony to one another, the wife has a sacramental mantle of authority for her husband, for whom she should lovingly pray deliverance prayers. Mm-hmm. Exercising spousal authority in praying for healing and deliverance protects and blesses the couple, and ideally, it also lead, uh, deepens their intimacy. So, spouses have the duty uh, and the obligation and the right to pray for you know, pray for each other, pray anti-demonic prayers for each other, and even deliverance prayers for okay, each can other. Okay, we, can we stick on that for one sec? So, yep. first off, what you guys probably don't know about Dr. Michael Morris, exceptional musician. When Mike and I lived together, we would take the train downtown hang out on the street corner and just play with our guitars. And we made enough money for the train ride, at least, and a beer or two. But a lot of fun living with you, Mike, <clears throat> and yep. our friendship over the years. As I was writing my, my, my most recent book, Pursuing Freedom, the first chapter is on spiritual warfare. And I remember calling up Mike. Actually, we were hanging out in North Dakota when you were teaching there during our staff training. We got some time together. And I wanted some practical points. And so Mike was a great just resource on like, what can I encourage guys to do to kind of fight this spiritual warfare? And so this question about 
the authority of, of the husband in particular has been on my mind since that conversation. But what you just mentioned, uh, my impression, my understanding was that the husband has a spiritual authority for, the, for his wife and children, but that the wife only has it for her children and not her husband. But what you just said seems to be contrary to that. So can you just dig in again to that, that reality that they, there's a mutual authority be- between the husband and the wife spiritually? There is. And this comes from this idea of the marriage sacrament, right? Being it's the husband and the wife who freely and sort of equally enter into the marriage covenant together. And they, you know, confer the sacrament on one another. Sure. Right. And so it comes from this idea that there's this spousal unity. And so there's a spousal authority, both for the husband and the wife that comes along with it. Now, for the father, it's it's slightly different because there is a twofold authority. There's that spousal authority, but then also the authority as the spiritual head of the household. Gotcha. So there's this, you know, a slight distinction there. So what, between the two spouses, if we can write on that before mm-hmm. we get into the household, what does that actually look like? You, you mentioned some prayers of deliverance. Sure. Um, is, sure. That, is that kind of where it lies? We bless each other. We pray for each other. Is that the, the that bulk of what it is? That is a habit to get into, and it, but it also depends on what's going on. If, if one of the spouses uh, seems to have something you know, at a deeper spiritual level going on, there are certain prayers uh, that can be prayed by either spouse for each other. And again, Ripperger's book is just a collection of a bunch of anti-demonic prayers for different scenarios. Here's, here's a prayer for generational healing. Maybe one of the spouses, you know, uh, in, in the past, they, some of their family members have had connections with Freemasonry and there's some type of generational issue there. Uh, so there's a particular deliverance prayer for that. So different types of prayer and the different types of anti-demonic methods might change based on how serious things are. But there are some basic things that the parents and the spouses can do and especially the father can do. So would you say those, the basic, ha- like you mentioned, the habit of the spouses praying this? Sure. Um, a, yeah. a good weekly habit, monthly habit? Or, you know what, if you start to see these types of things... Do these prayers, or at what point right. is it beyond the spousal authority? Maybe sure. before before you answer that, Doctor Michael. Maybe so for our listeners, why don't you give us a view of you know you said it depends on what types of things are happening. So I know okay. that, that that demons are able to tempt all of us and probably are tempting all of us. Mm-hmm. There are obviously varying degrees of demonic activity, and so right. why don't you give the guys who are listening just a, a lay of the land on like what what is what is in the demons' arsenal? Like what are we actually talking about when we're when we're talking about this warfare? Sure. So there is demonic temptation. Not all temptation is is from demons, but some of them, some of temptation is. And so demonic temptation is what's called ordinary demonic affliction. This is something that pretty much everybody in their life is going to experience, you know, temptation from the demonic realm. These then, uh, so, so, so the subsequent stages get more serious. There's also something called infestation. You might move into a house. Uh, so this is the... Uh, Demonic infestation is a demonic attachment to a place or an object. Hmm. So moving into a house where maybe something very violent or something very dark happened, you know, maybe some type of seance or satanic ritual happened, you know, that can still have a demonic attachment to it, that location, Hmm. that physical location, the land or the house. One issue is people uh, bringing in 
and oftentimes it's uh, children who, you know, maybe don't know any better, bringing in things like healing crystals or, or certain objects of uh, spirituality, magical objects uh, that um, is not prudential to bring into the household, hmm. but somehow get into the household, then troubling things can start happening. An attachment to a place or an object, then there's demonic oppression and obsession oppression this is sort of external physical assault being woken up at night uh, being shaken awake at night obsession is having to do with internally uh obsessive thoughts propensity to self-harm hmm. um maybe uh all of a sudden frequent night terrors and so forth and this can be tricky to discern because sometimes there's just maybe a mental illness Overlap, going on yeah. or something like that. you know it can look very similar to to that and that's why the the parents and especially the husband need to be paying attention and know their know their children know if there's something that's out of the blue that's all of a sudden going on so all of that stuff temptation infestation oppression obsession that's all sort of precursors then to mm -hmm. possession possession is the most serious but it's also quite rare mm -hmm. so there's stuff that happens that's not possession that can be demonic attack i remember one family i talked to there was a, a particular bedroom and it was one of the daughter's bedrooms and there uh, nobody was comfortable in that room all of a sudden the animals that they had two dogs and a cat i think and the animals wouldn't go into that room and it turns out this person had some healing crystals and had been doing learn trying to learn reiki stuff uh and so through that there you know was an uh, invitation to some type of demonic force to sort of cause a disturbance in that particular room. Wow. So that would be an example of infestation, but then it can also affect the person and then it gets to the level of things like oppression and obsession. Cut me off if this is too going too fast ahead, but for for us as men, so let's mm -hmm. let's go do the the head of the household, the family, not necessarily the roommate situation, but sure. We can go back to that if you guys want. Uh, the levels that you just laid out of temptation, infestation, oppression, where does our authority how far does our authority go before we need to bring in a, some kind of a priest or exorcist? Yeah, great question. If you're at the level, uh, that's a great question. If you're at the level of possession, that's that really is the time to get a priest for sure. Mm -hmm. And I I would encourage if if I'm uh, experiencing in my household even things like infestation, oppression, obsession, I'm going to want to as part of what I do uh, as the head of you know spiritual head of the family. I'm going to want to pray prayers, but I'm also going to want to eventually get a priest in there, Bring like a the minor round of exorcism on the house yeah, yeah, or something. And I think um, this comes down, you hear a lot of Catholic families when they move into a new, new apartment, new home, that mm -hmm. they invite a priest in, Blessing. right, to yeah. bless the home. And I think that's a great practice. So anyone who's listening, it, I think that's maybe step one. Just invite a priest over for dinner and ask yeah. him to bless the home. And, you know, oftentimes they'll use holy water, holy salt and sprinkle mm -hmm. around the home. And what a great example for your kids to see that as well. Michael, what would be what would be kind of step one B? So if step one A is having the priest over. What would be step one B for us as fathers, spiritual fathers of our home? Where would we begin? So maybe that that book sure. that you uh, mentioned, what would mm -hmm. be? The, the first prayer that you would recommend us praying with our families or over our homes? Sure. So just prudentially, whether you think that there's lots of negative stuff going on or not, just what are some things that you as a husband and a father should be doing? Um, first of all, stay vigilant. You know, know your spouse, know your 
kids, talk to your kids, get in, you know, be engaged and involved in everybody's life, right? So that's pretty basic. Uh, have an awareness of what's going on in your household. Uh, pray also for discernment of spirits for yourself and pray for your family. This is something just like daily that should happen. And the other thing too is as a father and as a husband, it's very important to live a sacramental life. Mm. That is, I mean, just, just critical. Um, it doesn't mean, you know, obviously we have to be perfect, but uh, utilizing the sacraments. Uh, it, I, it was Father Ripiger who said something to me along the lines of um, the power of confession is like 10,000 exorcisms. That's I mean, awesome. we, we, we don't realize how powerful that sacrament is. Mm. So frequent confession, frequent reception of the, of the Eucharist. This is how, you know, we sort of keep ourselves in order and how we're going to be in, a, in, a, in the best position to be aware of what's going on in our household. Now, as far as specific prayers and steps, mm-hmm. uh, scripture. Scripture should be a core part of the family life. And there are a few passages that are particularly useful uh, for, you know, as an anti-demonic prayer. And uh, no big deal. These, these are Deuteronomy 6. This is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. This is the great Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. This, in early Judaism, is regarded as a very powerful anti-demonic passage that's continued over into Christianity. And then even in early Christianity, we have people with, um, you know, protective amulets like metals with the reference to the Shema on it. Mm-hmm. Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is in early Judaism regarded as a powerful exorcism psalm. Today in the rite of exorcism, it's one of the first psalms that is still prayed. Wow. Why, why would we not be reading that yeah, every I night? That. <laughs> it's just like yeah. insane. Based on which biblical translation you're using can vary. So sometimes it's Psalm 90, but it's the one that begins, you who dwell in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow. That psalm is usually prayed, uh, and it, that comes from this tradition of asking for protection. So Psalm 91 is, is very powerful. Matthew 4 and Luke 4, this is the temptation scene. And this is the scene where Jesus has a confrontation with Satan and overcomes Satan. And so this reminds Satan of his humiliation and his impotency in in the face of Christ. Uh, And then the other, I would say kind of the other um, main prayer would be John's prologue, which is evoking basically the new creation that's been set forth with the incarnation. It's a a very powerful uh, way of reminding uh, the devil of his place in the created order. Now, Mike, you, um, we, we talked about um, at night too the certain blessings and, yeah. and the power of, of just blessing our children mm-hmm. and our lady. And you had, you had recommended to me that any Marian prayers at night over our children are super powerful yeah. as well. So I don't know if you have any thoughts or comments on that. I do. I want to say one more thing about the scripture passage. Okay, sure. The other, the other thing is, but but thank you for bringing that up. The other one is Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer. Yes. Because that includes, and 
we kind of lose it in our translation, deliver us from evil. But in the Greek, it's deliver us from the evil one. It's an explicit hmm. anti-demonic petition hmm. that Jesus taught us. Um, so that's also a very powerful one. Awesome. Um, especially praying for your spouse and your kids at night is, is gr- a great idea. And you should do it every night. And prayers here that are especially useful are prayers of angelic intercession. So the guardian angel prayer and the St. Michael prayer Hmm. and then Marian prayers. Um, So there are, I'll kind of digress a little bit. Uh, This is a little bit more uh, sort of speculative uh, theology, but um, there are kind of two traditions as to why Satan falls. Uh, One is that he's shown the incarnation, right? Or and he and he says no, I, I'm not going to serve a god who would lower himself uh, to be lower than me to be a human. The the other tradition is that Satan was shown the crowning of Mary, Queen of the Angels, the elevation of Mary above the angels. And Satan says, no, I'm not going to serve a god who would raise a lower lower mm-hmm. creature above me. So for but for whatever reason, Mary is baller regarded as uh hugely important in spiritual warfare father ripperger you walk into his house he has basically a life-size statue of uh the sorrowful mother mm. and the and and even his name the the uh, uh the order his order is the Dolorens, uh, named after our lady mike so mike i've heard yeah. this as we, as we kind of starting to wrap up i've one more question i mm-hmm. heard that Latin prayers in Latin are especially efficacious against the devil. I don't know if that's true or not. Do you have any idea? So, you know, we sing the Salve that's in Latin. Is Mm -hmm. that something to consider? To be honest, I kind of struggle with that one. I'm not quite sure. Um, The reason that people have said that the recent English translation of the rite of exorcism isn't as effective as the Latin one seems to be because uh, the prayers just aren't written quite as well. The, the rituals aren't quite written as well. So Latin does, because it's so old and because it from really some of the earliest times, it was the language of the church does have sort of the special pride of place, but not everybody knows Latin. And I don't know if saying something like the, the Salve or the Hail Holy Queen or something uh, in, a, you know, a, a different language, cause you don't know Latin, I don't know if that's not as effective. Sure, sure. Makes um, sense. Mike, this is such a fascinating topic, and I'm sure we could go on and on and on. Um, so grateful to have you. There's a couple takeaways I'm walking away with. Mm-hmm. One, I need, I've got that book at home, The Deliverance Prayers. Um, my Great. wife and I ha- have it, and we've used it before. I, I need to bring that back out and make sure that's a, a frequent book, especially in the evenings. You mentioned confession. I think we've talked about it in previous podcasts. I've always kind of tried to go to confession in that two to four week window, you know, making it pretty frequent. Um, And so I'd encourage all the listeners that if it's been longer than a month to get back Mm -hmm. to confession and to try to make that a habit for you and, and for your family. My family tries to go all together at the same time or within that same period of window. And then to 
also bring out the scripture passages that you mentioned to make sure that we are diving into scripture as a family on a regular basis. Those are the three takeaways that I have. I don't know if you guys, Brock or Thomas, have any takeaways for you guys as well. I think my <clears throat> the biggest one that I'm taking away is um, just your comment about attentiveness to the family and, and to the house and to really take those marching orders to to have that spiritual lens in my relationship with my wife and my relationship with my kids. Um, would you maybe even just give us 15 seconds for, for somebody who's brand new to spiritual warfare mm-hmm. and the concept of blessing your kids at night may seem like mm-hmm. a pretty foreign thing. Is it as simple as just God bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Or would you recommend maybe a little bit more like for a guy who's brand new to spiritual yeah, warfare, sure. how, how do you how do you bless your kids? Absolutely. It, it can be just as simple as tracing the sign of the cross on their forehead, right? Mm-hmm. And asking for God's blessing uh, upon the child. Um, I recommend it's something easy to do. I recommend getting uh, some bottles of holy water. You can fill them up at the church. Keep a bottle of holy water in each bedroom and in okay. kind of the main areas of the house. And bless your child with holy water. Tra- you know, put the holy water on your finger and trace trace the sign of the cross on their forehead. That's very powerful. Uh, Get your house blessed. It wouldn't hurt to do it every year or so. Hmm. Um, And you can also ask a priest for blessed salt or exercised salt to put in Mm -hmm. the threshold or the doorways of the household where Hmm. people are entering and exiting. There's that time of the, I think it's during the Feast of the Magi, is it, around the Christmas time where you do the blessing, where you write with chalk, holy chalk. And so maybe that's a great time yeah, for for dads to renew, blessing their house, throwing holy water in the closets, in the bath, like every spare place because demons can hide and and lurk in those those areas. When our house was being built um, before the drywall went up, my wife and I went and put like a hundred holy metals into the insulation (laughs) of the house, of every room, you know, in every corner. And so and then the drywall went up and it's there forever. Um, now awesome. not everyone has that opportunity, but you yeah. could still shove it, you know, uh, behind yeah. baseboards or under carpet right. and things like that to I've, make sure that it's, well, I love the, the mention of the, the magic stuff. I mean, we're in our culture, they're fascinated mm-hmm. with, it's fascinating with magic. A lot of these children's right. books all over the place. Yeah. It's magic, magic, Absolutely. magic. Now, obviously C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, they spoke of magic, but there's just a mm-hmm. different level. And I know we don't have right. time to get into yeah. that right now on this episode, but that'd be a fun other discussion. But I think being wary of yep. that stuff, especially as our kids get in those pre-teen, teen years, is yep. probably yeah. something to, to your point, Brock, to be very attentive to. Yeah, mm. love it. Guys, unfortunately, we got to wrap up now. Again, we could have gone on uh, for a much longer time, and I love that topic, Thomas, and maybe we'll come back to that. Dr. Michael Morris, thank you so much for joining us today on how to get the hell out of our house as spiritual fathers. Uh, so grateful for you and all you do for the church. That's it for today on the Man Catholic Podcast. We'll catch you next time. God bless.